It is Locked on Jazz for the 10th of June. Ask Lock. Hashtag Ask L-O-J. What is Mike Conley's trade value? Why do people disrespect Rudy Gobert? Which of the coaching candidates would I want? What do Johnny Bryant and Alex Jensen bring to the table? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. We are interested in your opinion. So we have the survey out. If you've not already done it at lockedonpodcast.com slash survey, we'd greatly appreciate it. If you get a chance, that would be super. All right. Today is hashtag LOJ. So ask Locked On Jazz. And you guys have been great. The questions are truly Truly remarkable. Today's episode is brought to you by PrizePix. Check out prizepix.com. Use the promo code NBA to go to your get to your app store and download the app today. PrizePix is your daily fantasy made easy. So the Jazz have started the interview process. They have asked for permission for a bunch of players. They've started interviewing um, as well, from the best of my understanding. Uh, I believe uh, that some of the local candidates have, have had uh, a moment already. Uh, in which they have uh, done their interview. So we are seeing, you know, the process now begins to play out. Uh, and we'll, next week, we really haven't dug into the candidates great this week. It's been so many other things, the Danny interview and the rest. And if you did not catch the Danny Ainge interview, it's available at YouTube on at Utah Jazz uh, account. 17-minute uh, sit-down with Danny. So, uh Next week, we'll dig into each of the coaching searches. I, I think we've got five, six weeks before this thing's over, so we'll have plenty of time. We'll get back to kind of looking at other teams around the league and whose players we might be interested in trying to take off their menu, uh, and we'll continue our season in review. So we're still loaded with just a ton of different things to talk about. But I do want to get to Ask LOJ, and I'm so impressed. I went through all the hashtags last night um, and this morning. And I'm so impressed, and I want to thank you guys because you take this seriously, and um, particularly my final question of the day. Um, but I know in all seriousness, I really appreciate you guys uh, and the efforts that you play into this. So let's get to the questions of the day and start it off. Here's the first one. It comes from Rick. Um, and if you're on YouTube, the questions are now on the screen. Cool little new graphics that we have here. Um, of all the main wings suggested in any Gobert trade over the last month, which would you do? Forget the other pieces and assume all is equal. OG Ananobi, who is a about six foot eight, two hundred and thirty-five pound genius body from Toronto, and you're playing on OG Ananobi that he is ready to emerge as a star. It has been held back by Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam, and if he's given his own team, he'd be ready to just completely explode. Uh, Patrick Williams. The young Florida State product who was injured for most of last year has great uh, upside, hasn't shown much yet, just only hasn't played much. Uh, uh, DeAndre Hunter in Atlanta 
You're kind of playing that same game. Your estimation of him is he's got another step to go. Atlanta may not want to pay um, him as they have to pay Trey Young. And uh, Kongu's going to be great, and they're going to have to pay him. Um, I think they're going to be willing to pay Hunter. Andrew Wiggins, Golden State, Gordon Hayward. So Gordon Hayward is off my list. Um, not I'd have to do huge medical. That last ankle injury bothers me. Uh, on Gordon. Gordon's been on my list the whole time. That's the perfect addition to our team until that last ankle injury. And there's just a point where his body is failing him on a regular basis. Of these guys, um, Rick, who asked the question, is seems to be siding toward that of Patrick Williams. He says 100%. I would be, I think... It's a really interesting question. So, OG Ananobi to me, is incredibly appealing because of his size, his switchability defensively. Um, I I think he's got more scoring in him. He's gone from 6 to 7 to 11 to 16 to 17 over the years. He's a pretty good shooter at 37%. He's not a great free throw shooter, so I don't know that that continues. You kind of, that's always the number you look at is free throw shooting of whether or not he's going to be able to do more. And he played his two years at Indiana. He was not a good free throw shooter in college at 52%. So shooting's not a natural thing for him. And I, I'd i have to watch film of him and really understand whether or not he's got a wiggle or whether his drive game is just a straight line. Toronto moves the ball, gets some openings, and moves the ball. His shot attempts have gone from 5 to 6 to 8 to 12 to 15 over the years. So, I mean, it's just continually increasing. And this last year, his two-point shooting percentage really dropped. Um, it went from 58 two years ago to 51 this year as he be, as they as they gave him the ball more. You know, two years ago, I think, is still Kawhi. Um, and so I'm not... I, I'd have to really look hard to figure out whether I thought he had a primary go-to score aspect. My, my instinct is no. His long two shooting in his career for OG Anobi is 29%. His mid-range two, like 10 to 16 feet, is 37%. His floater game is non-existent at 32%. I, I don't, those things lead me to believe that would be a hard next step for him. DeAndre Hunter is not as big, not as athletically awesome, um, and but he's still 6'8", 225, can do an awful lot of things. Um, he is showing kind of, he's kind of, I don't, you know, injuries have got him. He played 62, then 23, then 53 this year. So, he, you know, that's a con- the concern on him. Obviously, anyone's got a concern. You have to have a scouting report that breaks through that. He's His three-point shooting's just been 36, but his, his free throw shooting is 79, and at um, Virginia was 77. So, again, still not super um, the one thing on him at Virginia is, you know, he's pretty quiet that first year, just 20 minutes a game. Then he's 32 in Tony Bennett's system. And there's been this kind of, we look at his body and we love him and we want him to do more. And, you know, the league's evolving that that's the size and position that you want to have. Um, but he wasn't like a dominating force in college. He was really good. And that makes me wonder a little bit. His mid-range game is not one that's like ready to explode onto an NBA scene. Um, and, but I mean, he's, he, he's interesting. He's super good defensively. He's a fourth pick of a draft. Um, he's got the perfect body. So both those guys are great, great body players. Now, whether I would trade either of them for Rudy, I'm not sure. Um, you know, I think Rudy puts you at 50 wins by being on your team. Um, and I kind of like that. 
All right, William Hedrick says, how do you see Jordan Clarkson fitting in without Quinn letting him play his game? Or do you see JC of previous years or even a JC trade? Fundamentally, this is the key. These are great questions. Fundamentally, this is the key question the Utah Jazz have to figure out in the front office. Is players on this roster, were any of them unique to what Quinn brought to the table and played in a manner that was unique to Quinn that you would not, is not going to work for the Jazz moving forward. And so Jordan Clarkson's the first one on this list. There's just no question. Do you believe that Jordan Clarkson, in the manner in which he played for Quinn Snyder and in that freedom, is a productive player? Two, do you believe that the next, that, that Jordan can do that again under the next head coach? So has Jordan just become a better basketball player? I lean there. I lean that Jordan has just become a better basketball player as he's matured, certainly was freed by Quinn in a lot of that aspect of things, but the, in turn, because of that, has become a better basketball player. He was, frankly, you know, you watch the playoffs right now and you just have to be drivers. And we really only have two drivers on our whole roster, Donovan Mitchell and Jordan Clarkson. And so to me, Jordan seems as important as ever in our roster construction. And that's, you know, what did Danny say in the interview we did? Some players you have to rein in. Some players you've got to let push out. You've got to manage each person a little bit differently. This is a case where we're going to find out with the next head coach, how can they manage JC? You know, Jeff Watkinson was his assistant last year and did, um, you know, amazing work. Has been uh, with him. And as if you've listened to the show a lot, like my belief is that, Jordan's funky start was largely because Jeff was coming off an Achilles tendon and he was not around. And that once Jeff came back and was kind of back as the Jordan whisperer, then Jordan kind of calmed down and really played better. And so my bigger concern would just be a brand new coaching staff in a new circumstance. Jordan's particularly hard on himself. Jordan is particularly driven despite kind of his chill approach. Like his is thing he did with Kristen Kenny many years ago about zero meaning zero thought like that's because his thoughts are often too hard himself and too negative and too frantic and so the what voice is going to be there for Jordan would be the bigger question for me but I think Jordan's just improved as a basketball player and so generally he should be all right our next question comes from Spencer. Spencer's always great for us with stuff. Uh, would the loser of the Hornets head coaching job make sense for the Utah Jazz, Kenny Atkinson or Mike D'Antoni? Why or why not? So having listened to Danny, he talks about a partner and he talks about someone to work with and he wants to be a working situation. You know, Mike D'Antoni's got his way. He wants to do things at this point in time. And those would just have to be correlated. Does Danny, do Danny and Mike see the same game being played the same way with the same purpose? And that, I, I don't know the answer to that. That would just be a philosophical question of do they believe the game should be played the same way, you know, do they, do they, um, as they do. The the other, Mike, Kenny Atkinson's really interesting to me as a coach because he's got the head coaching experience. He's coming off, I believe, the pop tree somewhere along the way. Um, I'd have to check that. I do think that's right. And um, he's he's a good player development coach. A little bit, this might be where we're heading, though I think he's getting branded um, that a little bit um, too much. He's got, his last two years to me are really interesting in the sense that he went to the Clippers and the Warriors and saw how two other teams are doing it. He, Kenny's not off the pop trees, off the bud tree. He was in Atlanta and with the Knicks before that. I, I think he's really interesting. Like he was coaching in Paris 
for three years. Then he goes in as assistant for the Knicks for five. Then he's an assistant with Atlanta for four. I thought he did a good job in Brooklyn and then got caught in all the mess of it. As a player, he just bounced around everywhere. I mean, it's he's a Richmond spider out of college. He's um, graduates in 1990. And then he goes and plays, if I remember correctly, in like Wichita, Long Island, Paris, Israel, um, you know, I only thing I actually really remember is my prep for him when he was a head coach is that one of the teams he played for was nicknamed the Astronauts. Um, I don't know what that means, but this is a guy who just kind of has battled, traveled, basketball lifer. Um, I'm super intrigued by Kenny Atkinson, I'll be honest. I think he's... um, Now, I also hear he has the Charlotte gig, so if we don't... And he's on the Warriors staff. If we don't hear him announced for the Charlotte gig, almost immediately after this series is over, that would be kind of a tip that maybe something uh, funky is going on. Uh, Friday edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by our good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. They've done a uh, Murdoch family has been with us for over 80 years in Utah, and they've done a really neat thing recently where they are not charging you more than MSRP despite the car shortage. And the cars for the the uh, Hyundais are amazing. If you're looking for an electric car, you don't have to buy a Tesla. Like Murdoch's got some incredible electric cars. I went and test drove them with my dad because my dad lives in California and was looking for a... Um, a uh, a, a, a electric car they're, they're hard to get and so he actually came out here and test drove one out here it was sweet like it actually would probably be if i was to buy another car i would either buy my next car would either be that elect the hyundai electric or maybe the hyundai santa fe hybrid um my wife was actually looking at those and for me how much it would cost yesterday it was though it was like a hint that maybe that's something we should be doing um they're really sweet so that's located at murdoch hyundai located at 4646 south state street also located in logan and in linden feel free to email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com and i'll set you up uh, with a vip meeting over at our good friends at Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. Go to betonline.net for all the latest in sports gaming and news and information and the rest. Tonight's game between the Celtics and the uh, Golden State Warriors. The line on the series now is Warriors minus 185 or plus 185, Celtics plus 215. So, a lot of odds there. Celtics are favored for the game to, tonight at a four-point favorite with the money line at 160 and the over-under at 214. There's all sorts of NBA specials. Uh, the coaching bet for the Utah Jazz, the line right now is Johnny Bryant plus 225, Terry Stotts plus 250, Alex Jensen, Adrian Griffin plus 500, Will Hardy plus 900, Joe Mazzula plus 900, Chris Quinn plus 900, Charles Lee, Frank Vogel, Charles Lee plus 1,200, Frank Vogel plus 1,200. They have Dell Demps on there, but he just took an assistant general manager job in Minnesota. Congratulations to Dell, good dude. Mike D'Antoni plus 200 and Jerome Allen plus 2,500. Kevin Young also in there at plus 1,600. So those are the betonline.net odds for it. Bet online where the game begins. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz our fir- your first listen of the day. I greatly appreciate it, and thank you very much. If for your second listen today, get on the NBA Locked On NBA Big Board. They've been doing some great stuff. Continuing with our Ask Loj Day, 
Why do, from Ryan, why do people undervalue Rudy Gobert on his age? The dude's in amazing physical condition. He's built more like Giannis than Al Jefferson. No one questions whether or not Giannis will be elite past 35. His value should be extremely high. So I think people devalue Rudy as the game's evolving. The fear on Rudy is he's going to become Roy Hibbert. I don't think that's the case because of Rudy's athleticism. But we are seeing this trend we've talked about a good deal on Locked on Jazz where to be a good NBA team, you're denying the rim. But to be a good NBA playoff team, you don't go to the rim offensively. Now, ironically, in game three of that series, Boston just attacked the tin the entire night. That was really what Boston uh, went after and played attacking the rim because while Golden State rotates and shifts, they don't have a pure rim defender and suddenly they got exposed in that way and then they didn't have any rebounding once the rim got attacked and they allowed 50% of all of Boston's half-court misses to be offensive rebounds, which is an incredible number. So there's, you know, there's this yin and yang and giving back and forth in all of these that get awfully interesting. The... I, I don't, you know, Rudy has had some knee issues. He, we reve- he revealed that he had an MRI at the end of the season. Um, I, I don't think he's relying a great deal on bounce and things. And I do think he'll slow down, but I think he should be all right. I, I would be surprised, to, to your point, Ryan, I generally agree with you. He's probably the best conditioned athlete in the NBA. He's taking care of himself. He literally has grown a garden in his house to make sure he's uh, growing natural um, food and eating, you know, naturally born grown food he's climbing he's running mountains i think i generally agree with you that his elite conditioning will keep him in high high level position coming from kirk any chance Ettore messina becomes gets a look and how many picks would it trade mike conley to detroit for jeremy grant so um first question here is that's a super interesting name i think he closed the door on his nba career when he went back this last time. I also think he's getting older, but I'm, I could be wrong on that. Um, but that's, you know, great. Again, you guys are the best. It's incredible your knowledge of things. Edwin Messina, for those, is, actually, he's only 62. He just European, looks older. Um, for those who don't know him, he was an assistant for Pop for a little while. Um, he and Q were actually super close. Uh, he was with the Lakers. He's been the best coach in Europe for a long time. Um, Seska Moscow head coach, um, but he's back doing Olympia Milano. He's been the four-time EuroLeague champion, I think three-time coach of the year. He's one of the greatest EuroLeague people of all time. So, I mean, he's just got an incredible resume of coaching. Um, I think the David Blatt experiment didn't work and we're slow, you know, we're a little slow on that. I I think there's, you know, on the whole question of whether there's going to be a woman's coach in the NBA, I actually think there could be a woman's coach, a woman coach in the NBA before we go to another pure European league coach who has not had NBA experience. Now that's not Edward Messina. He actually has some NBA experience, but it's a good question. From Brandon, how does Snyder stepping down relate to the attitudes of, oh wait, you asked another question there. I'll have to, let's go back. Let's go back. There was part two. You should never do this. In interviewing people, you should only ask one question at a time. You'll only get one question answered. So never ask two questions. Like number one rule of interviewing, Kirk. If you're asking Yellow J, one question at a time. Because I won't get to the second one. That's actually like if you listen to the Danny Ainge interview, I'm very careful to never try to ask two questions at once. Um, How many picks would it take to trade Mike Conley to Detroit for Jeremy Grant? Well, 
Jeremy Grant in Detroit's mind is going to cost a first-round pick. That's what they wanted from Portland, and Portland lost their pick. We don't have that first-round pick. Um, so it would be down the road. And then Mike Conley's contract, unless Detroit thinks that they could move Mike Conley again for another pick, which they probably could, um, might cost us something else. So maybe one. Um, I don't know. Here's the thing on us. We're short draft capital right now. And you've got to be looking down the road a little while. Of And I thought Danny's comment that we're a little bit in flux and you're not quite sure where we're going as a franchise was pretty interesting in that interview. So if there's a chance that we are trading Donovan and Rudy sometime soon and moving into a reload process, then giving away future draft picks gets a little tricky because you better believe you, you need all of them if you're doing it. You're taking as many shots of the apple as you can. So trading Mike Conley for Jeremy Grant but giving up a pick is interesting. Now, I find myself, if you had to push me, and none of these decisions are 100-0, that my answer to what we should do is probably try to add a third marquee player. I don't know if Jeremy Grant's that player, but maybe. And then if the... And take a shot at it. And if it doesn't work... Then unload everyone next year and restockpile our picks that way, but not do it now. So, in your sense, that might be Kirk. That might make it worth it. These are all comp- none of these are one hundred percent zero, so they're interesting. All right, here's Brandon. How does Snyder stepping down relate to the attitudes of the Jazz players, more specifically Conley, Mitchell, and Gobert? Um, and see, here's the second question. Also, does this decrease or increase the probability of Mitchell resigning, Gobert resigning next two to four years? So the second question is one on everyone's mind. The national media has made it a story that the the coaching change makes it more likely that Mitchell and Gobert are going to leave or we're going to trade. I'm not sure I see that. I don't see them truly related. Um, If you believe Quinn that we needed a new voice and in some way is great, despite the fact that Quinn is a top five coach maybe better in the NBA, that somehow we needed a new voice. If in fact we did really need a new voice, then actually it was it's necessary for Quinn to move on and then it increases the probability of them staying because if Quinn's actually right that he couldn't coach this team, you know, reach this team anymore, then that was a bad script um, to move forward with. So in that sense, I think what Quinn is saying, if that's, if you're, if you're with Quinn on that, then I would say that that's, you know, that's telling. Um, I don't know that I think that these things actually... I'm not entirely convinced I think the coaching change impacts Mitchell re-signing or Gobert re-signing until we see what the coaching change is and we see how they react to him. In other words, as of right now, I think it's just... I don't see it. How does Snyder stepping down relate to the attitudes of, of Conley, Mitchell, and Gobert? So Mike, we saw, doesn't deal with change great, right? That change from Memphis to Utah year wasn't great. So that'll be interesting to see how Mike deals with a new coach. Was that just a unique situation where he's not being used the same as he's at a different point? He's a pretty great dude. So will he handle it better? You know, is there something too that he actually struggled with that? Um, you know, Donovan's at a stage now where he's an all-star, three-time all-star, and he's he wants to make sure things are going to be, you know, serve him well. 
that he's at high enough status that he wants to make sure whoever this next coach is is going to be, you know, prepare, have him prepared and ready and in good shape. So I think, you know, how does it affect his attitude? I would guess that at first Donovan will be a bit skeptical and then have to be won over. And I think Rudy will be the same thing. For eight years, Quinn Snyder built Rudy up into a three-time All-Star. And so I think that the next head coach, that's going to be their job, you know, is to get these guys to to buy in and believe and they're probably, you know, they probably are, you know, those guys are probably going to be a little skeptical of of what they have because they've had the same guy for their entire careers and now they need to see um, something else. Today's show, uh, we'll get to your final set of questions and some fun ones. Again, thank you guys so much. They've been just so great. Today's show is brought to you in part by Sakara. Sakara, S-A-K-A-R-A. And Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Now, what? So basically, they give you the tools to transform your life with the organic, ready-to-eat meal delivery program and functional wellness essentials. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunch, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients. They help boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings. Boy, do I ever need that. Get your skin glowing. Plus, it's easy, all delivered right to your door, ready to eat. Sakara's functional plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in. For your best, from their best-selling meta, metabolism super powder to the foundation, their daily supplement packs, Sakara's products are designed to support your wellness goals anytime. Check it out. Go to sakara.com slash lockdown20. That'll get you 20% off your first order. When you go to sakara.com slash locked on 20, that's S-A-K-A-R-A.com slash locked on 20, 20% off your first order, sakara.com slash locked on 20. Today's show is also brought to you by our good friends over at Built. What's the latest? What's the product? What's the surprise when you go to built.com right now? Surprise right now is you get a free shaker bottle when you buy any two or more bags of Built Boost. Granola bars are still there. Coconut, peanut, chocolate, peanut butter brownie, and white chocolate berry. Grasshopper cookie, sold out. Coconut marshmallow puffs, sold out. But brownie batter puffs are still there. Caramel brownie bar is back. The orange bar is back. All the regular flavors and the macros are still just truly amazing. 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, 4 net carbs, Four sugars, six grams of fiber, and 16 grams of protein. It's all at Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15, and you will get yourself a 15% welcome or 15% discount at Lock at with the promo code LOCKED15. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. If you get a chance, go over that survey, lockedonpodcasts.com slash survey. If you were the Jazz, what coach would you hire? I have no idea. I'll be totally honest. And I actually think anybody who picks a favorite at this point is fooling. Now, I have always been really impressed by Frank Vogel and Terry Stotts. Those are the two guys I know as head coaches. I think Terry Stotts got a raw deal in Portland. I showed. I think he showed the um, understanding of a franchise at the exact same spot of where the Jazz are. I think he's shown he's a good playoff coach. I think he's shown he's a brilliant offensive uh, coach. I think he would do masterful work with Rudy Gobert. So if the Jazz, if they were to hire Terry Stotts, 
I'm 100% comfortable with it. I get it. Like, I like Terry as a person. I think he's a really good follow-up to Quinn in the sense that he's really, really smart, but really, really calm and mellow. And so the there's a they're different while still, like, I think the worry that you have following Quinn is that he prepared them so well that any new coach comes in and co- players are thinking to themselves like, well, we're not as well prepared as we were last year. With Terry, I think you would be as well prepared as you were with Quinn with just kind of a calmer, less chaotic um, personality. I don't know if chaotic is the right word. What's frenetic might be a better word than chaotic. Quinn always so good with words and detailed words. You got to choose them right. So I know Terry well. Frank, I don't know as well, but I was always impressed. Orlando didn't work out, but nobody's worked out in Orlando. So I kind of dismissed that. He won a title in LA and then got caught in the Russell Westbrook mess last year. That's probably not his personality to deal with that. Um, and unless he's just worn down and scarred from that, which would be what I would be really concerned. I thought he did a brilliant job at Indiana. You have playoff history. You have understanding he's a great defensive coach, um, or at least that's how he's labeled because he had great defensive players. Um, so I think, you know, those two coaches that have coaching experience and then Kenny Atkinson, all three of those, if he were to, Kenny were to become a candidate, really comfortable with. The two, the three guys I know are Alex Jensen, Johnny Bryan, and Lamar Skeeter. And I'm going to call around this weekend on other guys so that I can give you insight. So Alex, crazy smart. Same thing, would fit the same thing as Terry Stotts, as you'd always feel well-prepared. You wouldn't worry about much calmer, much quieter. Um, You know, does that quiet personality command a locker room? Um, And the size probably helps him in that. Um, He would simplify things a great deal. Johnny, I think would bring a little more fire, at least in my interactions with him, but maybe that was our our relationship. He kind of was always on me. Um, Great player relations, great player development. Uh, understands what the player wants. Um, I don't know his X's and O's acumen because there's been no sign to see it because he's never been a head coach. And um, he increased a great deal when he was with the Jazz and I just didn't see what he's done the last two years in in, in New York. Um, Lamar Skeeter's players really enjoy him. He's a calm guy. Another um, real true coach's coach. You know, came, quit, was one of the best soccer players in the country out of Ohio um, quit to play basket, play basketball, played a small division two or three school. If I remember correctly, um, just cause he loves the game and got into coaching. He's come up through bud and through Quinn. So he's been had incredible access to coaching um, and uh, enjoy him a great deal uh, as a person. And, you know, I don't, it seems early for his um, to be, but maybe, you know, maybe this is more of, Hey, we really want to keep you uh, on board. And I would suspect that the sign that they're interviewing him is more of a sign. He'll be back on the roster next year. So I don't know. It's a great question. It's a question. Everybody wants to know. I don't know. Uh, Do you have any idea what Mike Conley's trade value is? So interesting. This is a great question. Um, You know, Mike's at an interesting stage in his career is really what you're alluding to that he's older. He he had an incredible regular season and then a bad playoff. Um, but I, I think we got to remember what a good regular season he had. And I think teams are going to see that. I mean, Mike averaged, he shot 42 or 3% from, 41% from three. He was the number one or two off the bounce three-point shooter in the NBA. Um, plus minus was good. You know, he's played 72 games without any problems. So I think if there's the right, mix it's I don't think like you don't think he doesn't have a negative value you don't have to throw a pick in um I think you can just swap salaries for equal level players so if you 
you know, if the Clippers want a point guard, do they have $20 million of player that you're willing to come back you think is of equal value for the Utah Jazz? You know, the Knicks need a point guard. Do the Knicks have $20 million? I think Mike's at $20 million. Um, that, that bring back the other way. I, I think Mike has just, like, he's just value. He's not negative in any way, shape, or form. He's good, um, but he's not bringing you, a, you know, he's not a star at this age of his career, but I do think somebody could say, you know, we're just better by adding Mike Conley, even if he's 34 years old and in our desperate need for a point guard right now. Um, you know, if you add Mike in a pick, you've got a pretty good package for someone, um, but I don't know if you're adding Mike in a pick to somebody, you know, who they're, you know, what, what it is that they're, where they are as a franchise. Do you think Quinn's timing screwed us over in the sense that if he would have done this right after the season ended, the Jazz would have had access to the best choices? So, i.e. Darvin Ham. So Darvin Ham's actually the only one I can think of there. Because I think if we, if Kenny Atkinson wanted to come to, you know, unless he's already signed a deal with Charlotte, if Kenny Atkinson wants, wanted to suddenly talk to the Jazz, he has time to do it right now. Uh, so I don't think he did screw the Jazz in that sense. Um, if you had to pick a player that's currently on the roster that takes a leap forward and increases their role, who would you choose? Seems like NAW has the tools. Doke has the draft capital. Butler look good in spurts. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I think it's Jared Butler, but his size is still problematic. I mean, he's small. Um, and at times he looked great, and at times he looked completely like the speed of the game had altered him. But I think he's got real, that hesitation game, dribble skill is really is real. And as he gets better in his second year, which is a natural thing, and then he'll really get better in his second or third year, um, I, I think that that's probably the guy um, that we're talking about. Uh, JCW, to help me sort out feelings of Quinn's leaving, does anyone have any idea or is anyone talking in your circle that knows if Pop is actually getting close to retiring? Part two, if he goes to San Antonio, who do you think being the successor of Pop if he does go to San Antonio, how do you, oh, how do you think being the successor of Pop will go? Um, I think everyone's kind of waiting for Pop to retire. He's got the records and I think he just still likes it. Um, you know, frankly, the circles were that he was going to retire this year, but then he didn't. Um, and you kind of look back and Will Hardy leaves San Antonio and goes to Boston and Becky Hammond leaves and goes to Las Vegas Aces. Maybe they all knew he wasn't retiring because they weren't sticking around for the job. Um, but Quinn has got a great relationship with R.C. Buford, who's their president from when he was with the Austin uh, Toros. I think it was the Austin Toros then. Maybe it's the Austin Spurs. So it's totally reasonable that Quinn next year would be the one to replace Pop. Pop and Quinn still have a good relationship. And I just think Quinn will have success wherever he is. I don't think there's a scenario that's too big for Quinn. He thinks everything um, through about it um, a great deal. All right. Uh, oh, did that one not come through? There we go. Do you believe we get to the, this breaking point in the locker room if Georges and Joe are still on the team, George Niang? Uh, so I actually think it's George and Derek Favors where the recent departures were what caused the locker room to have some problems. Um, not Joe. Um, partially because I just think we miss Joe the player. But I think that the personalities and attitudes of George Niang and Derek Favors were the ones that were greatly missed in the locker room this year um, more than anything else. What's something that Johnny Bryant or Alex Jensen could bring to the table as a head coach that would make the Jazz a better team next season? I don't want to stereotype these guys into one single thing, but Alex is a smart, calm, um, cerebral, 
um, experienced, simple, like he simplifies things as a coach. Johnny is um, a basketball um, core and core through him. He's, as I said earlier, my interactions would be more fiery. Um, also very bright basketball and person. Um, I think he probably, you know, gets on a, he's younger, gets on a player level a little bit. Um, has had great player development background. Um, I've had great conversations with both of them that are, are like both on-court, off-court items that are super intellectual. So I think that at least from my experience, both of them would be able to, you know, sit down with a player and talk about life and are great communicators in that sense. Um, so I, those those would be the strengths, I think, of, of those two um, candidates. All right, our last and final question and the most important one of the day. Waffles, pancakes, or French French toast? Choose one. Explain your answer as if you were going to try to kill dead air in a 20-second timeout. Great debate because I think it depends on the restaurant because each of these can be done better. I'm generally a French toast guy, but it's got to be good. It's got to be thick bread. The best ever was the hollow bread French toast at Alki Bakery in um, Seattle. But a really, really good waffle is... Better than a really, really good French toast. And the pancakes in various places are amazing, including like if you ever want a special day up at the Deer Valley, Montage pancakes are amazing. Now, here's the real question. I don't eat these things anymore because I'm 50, but I'm closer to death than I've ever been in my whole life. So why aren't I eating more of these? When I was 20 and 25 and 30 and going out for breakfast with my kids at 30, I was eating them all the time. It's all I ever ate. Now at 50, I'm like, oh, I can't have that. Why not? I'm closer to death. I should be eating more French toast. Have a great day. That is Locked on Jazz.